Welcome back to the True North Podcast. My name is James McKenzie, and I've got Trey Dixon with me today. And today, we have a really special guest that um, is really for you fathers out there. We've got a guy that's passionate about father-son ministries. Trey, you've experienced what this guy has to offer, so why don't you introduce him? Yeah, so man, this was something, the number one question I would say that we've gotten over the years um, after one of our base camps is men that just that transformation, that change. And the next logical question is, what do we have for our sons? How do we get this message to our sons? And so several years ago, someone introduced me. They said, you've got to talk to this guy named Eric. He's got this incredible father-son ministry called Sand to Stone. And I'll tell you, we've hooked up, we've had several conversations, we had coffee, um, and just a guy who truly has a heart for father-sons. And so, so excited, so privileged to have you here with us today. Man, Eric Browning with Sand to Stone, welcome. Hey, I appreciate it. So, so fun to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. So Eric, let me ask you this. How did this even come about? Um, because this is, you know, father-son ministry. This isn't it, somewhere in your life, your story either something you wanted to carry on or something you never had is tends to usually be the story. So tell me a little bit, what's your story and how did this even come about? Yeah, well, um, it goes all the way back to my early childhood. Um, I grew up in a wonderful family. So my, my parents are very ethical, moral people, got us to church. Um, you know, so that was a regular thing. My dad, I'm a son of a football coach uh, and then uh, the son also of a speech pathologist. So uh, dad was gone a lot just with recruiting and just work. I mean, it's just, it's hard work being a football coach. Um, so not that he was absent or anything like that, but um, there was just times where I think he missed out and he would admit uh, that he missed out on some opportunities. Um, but the times that I got with him were, were amazing. Um, he passed on the just wonderful things to me. One of the things that um, I didn't get a whole lot of was just spiritual nourishment from my dad. Uh, so I got a lot of just great teaching and things like that, just not a whole lot of spiritual nourishment. So I kind of went blind um, into my young adulthood, just not really knowing all that much. Now, I will give them credit. Um, around the age of 13, they got me hooked up with Canicut Camps. We were living out in North Carolina at the time, and then there was a, a doctor that was sending his daughter to this camp called Canacuck. And my parents, I guess, became interested in that, uh, having talked with that family and asked me if I'd be interested in going to this camp in Missouri. And I was like, in Missouri? What? Um, well, I mean, sure, why not? And so they um, they put me on a, a bus and um, I, and sent me off. So I was gone for 26 days. I didn't know that they had one week, two week camps they put me on the full-blown you know month-long camp this yeah. first time out of the gate and uh right there that's yeah right. Now, how, <laughs> how old I, were you again i was 13 13 on yep. a bus halfway across the country to missouri that's right and wow. i'm pretty sure they went to hawaii after that you know it's like he's gone <laughs> yeah. Let's get out of here um no i'm kidding but um anyway so that was that was one of the very first kind of transformative times in my life getting to see counselors and leadership um, express a love for God and a life really driven by uh, the love of Christ and what he had done in their lives. So I remember that looking at uh, Joe White, who has run that camp forever, and even his father, who was living at the time, and just looking at them going, man, they are, they're solid. Like They're not only good people, they, they have purpose and vision that's higher than themselves. 
so that was my first experience. And then uh, from that, you know, one of the one of the things that they would do at camp is they would have a um, what they call it. Well, it was like a K wild. That's what it was called. So for two or three days, you would leave camp and you'd go camping. So you're roughing it in tents and along the river and um, getting in caves and, and hiking and all that. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. My dad took me fishing some when I was growing up. But um, that was a new kind of experience, you know, especially attached then with kind of this whole spirituality, God, you know, and Christ and Jesus and all that sort of thing. Uh, so I really just enjoyed that a lot. So early on, that was one of the things that really helped give me a newer sense of who, who God was. Um, and then when I got out of college, I was, I was, I had been working with Campus Crusade doing like their, um, their uh, ministry, for, I mean, I was playing guitar and, and singing and all that, kind of leading that that worship aspect of it. Yep. But I remember a gentleman coming, his name was Dan Williams. He is from Oklahoma City, come and talk to us about what's next. And uh, it's it brought up an older conversation from Canacuck where um, Joe Ehrman came and spoke and said, you know, you need to find a mentor. Um, so don't leave college without some plan to stay hooked in because you have Campus Crusade, you have, you know, all these different ministries on campus, but what do you have afterwards? And so it it brought that conversation back up when Dan basically spoke to to the same tone. And so I remember going up to him saying, I need this. And and I remember this conversation a long time ago. I've thought about that. That's what I want. And I happen to be going to grad school in Oklahoma City. So when, when I moved up here, he got me hooked up, and this through the Navigators, got me hooked up with a gentleman named Guy Madison. And Guy didn't know me from Adam. Um, we just sat down and started talking, and I could tell that he, he wanted to pour his life into me. Mm-hmm. That it was his calling. That was what God had asked him to do. And so um, that was one of the early times where I actually f- received someone I didn't really know received this kind of... Um, feeling that he cared, like he truly cared. And, and I remember thinking to myself, man, I, that's, that's really a, a great model of Jesus caring about us. And, uh, I need to care about people. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you now combine the principles that I learned is to real pass onable principles from the NAVs and, um, the experience I had outdoors and with Canicut camps that kind of set the stage. And so I remember talking to him in 1999 and I said, I feel like, and I had, I had this experience on an audible voice, but I had an experience of God just saying, I, I want you to do a father-son thing. And so we were sitting, we hadn't even been meeting that long, but we were sitting there and um, I said, I feel like I need to do this father-son thing. And he was like, well, that's, that's great. He's like, but right now you're not married. Yeah. You don't have children. <laughs> I was just about to ask that. Yeah. And you don't have boys. <laughs> so, the, the cart before the horse. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you're right, but that's what I heard the Lord saying to me and yep. so that's what we're gonna and you know just we're just gonna see how it goes um and it was until 2004 that I got married uh so we were just celebrated our 19th anniversary a few days ago and then it wasn't thank you um and and then wasn't until 2009 that we had our first child which was a boy and we've had another one since then and then we have a third that's a, a girl and so their the ages are 13 9 and 7 yep. now so Exciting. and then in 2013 was when this whole thing kicked off. And it was just a funny story. I had, I had been working with um, the NAVs and, and just one-on-one discipleship with gentlemen around the city. 
but had not really engaged in my church um, and felt very convicted that I needed to do something to get my wife and I involved together um, at church. And so it, what resulted in that was not a breaking away of, of, from the navigators, but a more centralization of my ministry into the church. And so we became a part of a, they call it ABFs, which is in essence a Sunday school. And um, once we got kind of settled in the right Sunday school, I just wrote an email to the leaders and just said, hey, would love to serve. I don't know what your needs are, but here are a few areas that I feel like I'm called to or trained to serve. And they came back and said, hey, that father-son thing, you know, we've got like 20-some-odd boys in this class alone uh, that are all young um, in their formative years. Why don't we do that? And so that's how it started. So tell me a little bit, what exactly is Sandstone? So, you know, we're kind of a, obviously a father-son, but what exactly is Sandstone? What's the meaning of it? Where'd you come up with Sandstone? And practically, what does it look like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me start with the name, because that's always an interesting um, starting point. So, um, you know, Peter was seen as kind of shifting sand. He kind of just said what was on his mind, didn't really put a lot of th- thought to it, just kind of story of my life. <laughs> yes. I, was about to say, I know the type. <laughs> right, right. And so he was kind of seen as just this shifting sand, you know, and when he met Jesus, you know, Jesus, of course, knew him, uh, but he had never met him. And he came up and said, your name's Simon, but your name is going to be Peter. Uh, and, um, and what Jesus in essence was communicating is like, you're shifting sand right now, but you're going to be a rock uh, and you're going to help establish this church when I'm, when I'm gone, you know. And, uh, and so that is where that came from is that um, you know, one of the, the basic vision statements for St. Stone is just men raising future men. So the father has, and really the parents, but the, the father has a really good opportunity to not only observe his child, but to see him and his natural tendencies, his natural talents, where, you know, what God could potentially do with him. Um, and though he is not God, the father is able to kind of speak encouragement into those areas that are raw and that are like shifting sand, but then help guide their son continually towards what God is going to do ultimately in his life. So uh, just setting them up to be not only men, but to be able to be rocks um, for the church, you know? So um, yeah, I mean that at a very basic level, that's, that's what we're doing. So, so how did, sorry, go ahead. Is it just father, son, or, or is it ever a big brother situation, like kind of like mm. men's volunteers discipling younger men, or is it just father, son? Well, to date, we have primarily kept it within the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one of the, the, the areas we'd like to grow into. There are some, there's some legality things that, that are yeah, associated yeah. with that we have to overcome. Uh, but we will oftentimes have a father bring his um, his nephew, or we'll have a grandfather come, you know, with, and with his grandson, and 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 do that. We have multiple generations yeah. coming on these experiences. But um, yeah, that would be a wonderful thing. I know there's several places here in town where that's kind of the focus is on uh, almost like a big brother, little brother yeah. kind of deal. Um, and I would love to to reach them because I mean, you're dealing in, in when you, as soon as you step into that space, oftentimes you're dealing with a, a boy from a fatherless home no. or that just has an absent father. So, no. yeah. which I would say you could take just about any and every single issue in America today and really probably around the globe today, somewhere at the core of it is fatherlessness to some degree, to some measure. And what I love about your story, and this is, this is hitting on a soapbox of mine is discipleship. 
because somebody took the time, poured into you. Another man took the time, said he sees something in you, you were worth spending time with, and discipled you and walk you, walked you through that and did life with you. And now the impact of that, you're now starting this ministry. You're now pouring into all these fathers and sons and just the impact of that. I mean, it's one of those things that, I mean, I, it's, it's my soapbox of discipleship and how many people have been in every one of these father sons that you've touched and influenced, but that was because of an influence of a man truly sitting down and discipling you, which I think is incredible. Oh, yeah. So share with us a little bit. So we keep talking about this father-son. How does that happen? Like, what do you guys actually do? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, we utilize the outdoors largely um, for obvious reasons. I mean, I just ran across a stat recently that 93% of our life is spent indoors. Yeah. 93%. That was blowing my mind. And when yeah. you extrapolate that out to a full lifetime, 93 years out of, if you live to be 100, is indoors. Gosh, it just blows my mind. Yeah. So we've become very comfortable. Uh, so part of it is we're just trying to get people away uh, from distractions uh, and um, put them in a unique um, place, you know, outdoors. Y- yes, there are elements and yes, there are going to be, it's not going to be ideal at times, but nonetheless, I mean, it is, there's great worth to doing that. Um, yeah. You know, being, being in nature just in general uh, is, is restorative, mm-hmm. you know, so we're trying to pr- provide opportunities for people to kind of just step back and again being in a, in a in a in an environment that provides that you know um and with that then when you have a father and son you're giving them and creating opportunity and time for them to bond and so we do several things throughout the weekend that help facilitate that uh so that's part of it as well so if i if i were just going to kind of give you the overflow or the overview, um, you know, be it a Thursday to Sunday, a Friday to Sunday trip. Um, we're basically getting there, um, setting up camp, and then uh, we try to engage the boys on a competitive level. It may be, may be a mental, uh, maybe a physical level. So competition becomes a big portion of what we do. Um, and uh, and so we, we set that up and I can tell you stories about that later on, but that's one element. Um, we we also will do some kind of hike, some sort of uh, getting out and, and working our bodies so that there's a payoff. Um, we set up our camp so that anybody uh, can come, meaning that the intimidation factor is removed. I mean, I just wa- just came away from um, I came from downtown. They're working on a food truck that we'll start rolling up to these events with. Um, we have been bringing a kitchen and setting it up, which is great. And so we provide all the food and all that. That's great. Uh, this is like just kind of ramping up our game. So if the father's like, I don't know if I can do this camping thing, but they got a food truck on this thing, you know, and, and you know, we can remove a barrier from one, them having to bring food and two from them feeling like it's like cooked over, you know, coals or whatever. Um, that, so you're saying that like legitimate camping in tents out somewhere. It is, it, it is. And, and we try to take it. Even further, so if you don't have camping gear, we've got camping gear. So yeah. you don't feel like you got to go drop eight hundred dollars to go on one of these trips with us. Okay. Um, we'll provide you with that camping gear, but and that that's whether we're car camping or whether we're hiking in doing a fourteen or, you know, we've got that available. So just yeah. trying to again yeah, remove in Oklahoma. <laughs> oh yeah, fourteen or the Oklahoma. No, fourteen feet. Yeah, fourteen exactly. feet in Oklahoma. 
So, okay, so that brings up a good point. I mean, because, yes, like you're saying, 14ers, clearly not in Oklahoma. So where where are, and I mean, I know some of this, but for everyone listening, where are some of your camps? Where are you actually doing these at to get men out and to stretch them a little bit and for these boys to have that experience. Yeah, so there, we always have a camps that are re- relatively close. So if you have a, a six-year-old and you've never been camping before and you're not quite sure whether they're going to like it or not, you know, we might have a camp near Wilburton uh, at Robber's Cave. might be down at the Wichita Mountains, hour and a half away. So if there's happen to be an issue, yeah. it's okay. You can head home. It's You're not 18 hours away or whatever. Um, but we do have camps out in Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is just a beautiful, yeah, beautiful state. Beautiful places. Yes, um, we we've gone up to uh, Missouri. I just you know we had one this past fall um, up in Missouri. We've got we've got one. Believe it or not, there are camping uh, sites in Kansas. Uh, it is not just all flat. <laughs> there are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And we'll be out in New Mexico and then Colorado. So we will for the older boys. We'll uh, we'll go tackle thirteeners and fourteeners and wow. do some whitewater rafting and things like that that's mixed awesome. in. Um, that's and that's super fun. What is the age range? Probably around five is when they can start engaging. Because if we go do a hike, um, I, we make it reasonable for those those kids to be able to do it. Um, and, um, and so five tends to make sense. I've had a dad bring his, uh, about an eight month old, but he just had him strapped on his back the whole time. <laughs> I would be uh, out on that. I know. Right. <laughs> exactly. But then it's up from there, you know, all the way to 18. Yeah. You know, and, uh, do you group them like do you have certain age ranges for a particular camp. Yeah. Like, so these, these camps that are closer, like in, out in Wilburton or down near Wichita in the Wichita mountains, um, some of those will be kind of all ages, just everybody come. Yeah. Um, and then we'll have others. Like I've got one called a gent event, uh, this, uh, coming up this spring that will be for all those that have, um, gone through a ceremony called the squire ceremony. And, and so it's just for all those older boys yeah. to get, get together because we're going to be dealing with di- different things, mm-hmm. uh, talking about different things than we would with a five or six or seven year old. And then the, uh, the the trips out to, say, Colorado or New Mexico, they're typically going to be older um, older guys that are going. And we also limit the number um, of people that are on, on those trips for a number of reasons. So how so we're talking about <clears throat> these boys coming from sand to stone, becoming what it looks like to be a man. Mm. How deep are we getting in some of those conversations? Yeah, I mean... One of the things I live in a day of porn, we live in a day of sex. And I mean, just everything that's out there in the world today that, I mean, obviously as men bestowing some of those hard truths to sons and how they navigate that. And so I'm just curious, what does that kind of look like in some of those conversations with the the men and the sons? Yeah, I'll backdoor this question a little bit. I mean, one of the things that we feel like is very important is establish expectations for what manhood is. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, is that you could ask 10 different people and you may get 10 different answers of what a man truly is. I mean, it's a man that obviously is not a guy that has a beard and that has big muscles and drinks, you know, a beer every now and then and smokes a cigar. It's not, that's not necessarily a man. So we want to, we want to tie what the Bible says a man is, uh, and, and create an expectation around that. So one of the ways we do that is through a, um, a series of ceremonies that start at age six, and in, in doing these ceremonies, we're setting the stage for fathers to be able to communicate what a man is um, and then to create expectations around that. 
so that as the boy is getting older and older, they're stepping into these expectations and they're, you know, we hope that they're then taking them on personally um, and then living them out. So the, the answer is we have themes with each of our camps. So um, those themes then allow us then to create curriculum and, and talks that, um, that get us into those deeper levels. And then in between like our talks at camp, we will have like some father, son kind of, here's what we're going to do between now and the next time we talk, you guys are going to just spend a few minutes talking about this. Maybe when we're on the hiking trail, when you wake up tomorrow morning, whatever, uh, as you have your father, son time Saturday afternoon, um, and we allow those deeper conversations to occur so that when we come back around, like say the fire to talk, uh, we can then as a, as a group share from what, what we learned get with our father mm-hmm. and what we shared during, during That's those awesome. times. So, which I think is so good. And what I love about that is in having three boys and having <clears throat> some hard conversations throughout the years that James are coming for you one day. Oh yeah. Um, but having those conversations that are often hard, they're awkward and frankly, you don't want to have them. I mean, if I'm just being real candid, most of us, some of those hard conversations, getting into porn and sex and all these things, we'd rather not have them. I mean, if we're just being, once again, real honest, but we know we have to. And so I think there's so much power of not just doing it one-on-one, having one-on-one, but these, these boys can learn from other men, hear from other men that are there pouring into their sons, but they're also pouring into mine. And I think there's so much power in that community, that band of brother of men, that it's not just me raising my son, but it's the body of Christ raising my son. Yeah, there is uh, there is significant power in the way that these camps are set up in the sense that everybody has a job to do and everybody's engaged at different levels. Like I don't show up at this camp and expect to teach all of those lessons mm-hmm. or to facilitate them. I'm not necessarily... Going and, and, and running the hike, you know, that we're doing. I, I've got dads that sign up for this stuff so that they can engage. Now, not every dad's going to feel like they can get up and lead a conversation and, and talk. So nobody's going to ask them to do that. <clears throat> but they can get up there and cook, you know, and help with games or whatever uh, where they feel comfortable. But, yes, you're exactly right. There is a, a profound uh, kind of unspoken. I mean, it's spoken at times, but you could just see that the kids understand that they're seeing a little microcosm of the body of Christ mm-hmm. coming together to make this camp run effectively and efficiently. Um, and, and they're hearing from multiple different, you know, people. I mean, we start off every campus, like every, every kid here need to, need to understand there are multiple dads. Every one of these guys is your dad, quote unquote, this weekend. So if, if you have a guy, if there's a dad that sees you doing something you shouldn't be doing, he needs to have the authority to say something, and you say what? And they all you know, respond, yes, sir. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, that's the idea, that we want, to, we want them to understand that there is a collective of men that understand what manhood is and that are wanting to not only model it, but communicate it in different forms. That's good. So how has this looked different than, okay, so you, get, you had your calling before you even had a son, before you even were married, of a father-son ministry. How has it looked different since you've actually become a father yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, your vision for the ministry you've started, what what has looked different than what you thought it would have from the start? That's a deep question. Yeah, it's a <laughs> tough one, man. Man, no kidding. <clears throat> um, well, gloves are off. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say I've read so many books, you know, and I tried to 
read above my head, if that makes sense to, you know, people like John Eldridge that had already raised boys um, and, and to try to glean things from them because, you know, I would not have known um, at the time that um, when a, when a kid's between, you know, before the age of eight that we're one, we're trying to just keep them alive or, or early on and, right. and love and accept them and that sort of thing. But then their life is just, their, their, their mind works in black and white ways. And it's really not until the age of nine ish or so where they start to kind of think through things a little bit more abstractly. So it, I would say that as far as just how I, I approach parenting, um, that I've, I've learned a lot just by having a son and I'm still learning. I mean, my oldest is 13 and, um, I know that now he and I, I, I can still tell him black and white, this is right. This is wrong. You're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot more value in me having conversations, asking questions, getting him to think for himself. And yes, he still needs guidance, um, but getting him to, to think through things, you know, and knowing that he doesn't need me to give him a 20 minute lecture on something. Um, I could maybe get away with that with a younger kid, but, um, who knows, you know, the attention spans short with them too, but, but, but more facilitating through short bursts, you know, let's just have a conversation or, Hey, I'm going to text you this question. I want you to think through this friend that sent you this series of text messages that we went through together that I didn't condemn you for, um, or anything, but that I want you to start thinking like, what, what is the value of that friendship? What, how is he making you better? And how does this friendship line up with what Christ says about friendship? You know what I mean? So that may not be the exact answer you want, but that's, I know from my, from a communicative and a parenting standpoint, I've seen that kind of shift and change. So as we have, the beauty is that when I started this ministry, most of the boys were under the age of eight. So we have actually all kind of grown our boys together. um, And so it's morphed naturally. Um, So there probably was a time where if a a 16 or 17 year old boy and their dad came in, it might not have met met their expectations. But now I believe that it has kind of grown into being able to do that. Well, I'd love to hear maybe do you have any stories of kind of like yeah. what's the fruit of your ministry been like maybe with some of these guys that I'm sh- do you have any guys that are like in their 20s now or that that have been through it or we uh, almost almost, almost. Okay. we're almost there I mean you've given us 10 years you know we're just about there we've got uh, several that will be kind of kind of getting through this whole thing in the next year or two wow. so we'll, we'll have another conversation on that but um the uh I mean, one thing I can tell you is I, I just in observing and seeing my, my friends from church and people that have been engaged with the ministry, there are very, there are a lot of them that had never been camping in their life. So many that really hadn't spent much time outdoors. And it just warms my heart to see like a Facebook post or social media post of them going camping Mm -hmm. without sand stone, you know, that they're getting outdoors and just enjoying that um, that, that, that's been really, really cool. Um, I think one of the things, like if you, if you look at our squire ceremony and I can, we can talk about any of that stuff you want, but, uh, if you look at our squire ceremony, that that's a ceremony that these boys go through around the age of 13, it's kind of the same time frame as like a bar mitzvah. Um, and the idea behind it is that, okay, you have learned this, all this stuff up until now, pretty black and white. Uh, you've been under a kind of our protection, but we need you to step into a new realm and we need to understand that you can't always be a boy. 
that you have to you have to someone sometime transition, and we're going to help you transition now. And this is these are the principles that we stand on. These is this is what uh, this is what manhood is, and we want you not only to um, to look at that and take it in your brain, but move it to your heart and then out to your hands. Start to um, to to experience it, if that makes sense. And so it's amazing to see these boys uh, at camp go through this ceremony, say on a Saturday night. And they become these bona fide kind of squires. They're no longer a, a page or, or less than that or whatever. And these are not classes. I mean, we're not better than thou or whatever. But, um, but they, they, they know that there has, there's new expectations. And it's amazing to see them literally immediately step into that, that new role um, of being able to help the younger, younger boys learn something new. Um, helping with cooking. I mean, me get immediately getting there alongside the, the dads and doing doing that aspect, lead, helping lead a hike. You know, whatever it is at camp that that's that's been amazing. What I love about this too, there's a phenomenal book that I know you're familiar with, Robert Lewis, Raising a Modern Day Knight. And like you said, that bar mitzvah that there needs to be a moment in a young man's life with a community of men that he's called up to say, and especially by his father, grandfather, uncle, some some influential man in his life to say, I'm calling you up into manhood and to have that moment that they can kind of stand on. And so what I love about that is it's a great book, Raising a Modern Day Knight. But then it's kind of up to the dad to now go do all this, go figure it out, go plan it, go coordinate it, go. And frankly, it seems massively overwhelming. This to me is that same experience but you're put, you're helping to facilitate it, and they're doing it together, which I think is even exponentially more impactful. Yeah, I, when I was in, I didn't share this earlier, but when I was in college, I went through that that series <clears throat> with um, my campus crus- crusade leader mm-hmm. at the time, and I remember at the end of it, he said, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do on Friday night." We're all going to show up at this field, and we're going to have a big bonfire, and then we're going to go through a manhood ceremony. And we've been building up to this, and I remember going, "Okay, okay, okay." When we got out there, and um, and he he took us through, and I, maybe it was like ten or twelve of us through a manhood ceremony. I mean, we were all at that time at least twenty, if not older. Um, but I remember it being a at least initially a little bit awkward. You know, he's like, "We're all taking our shirts off," you know, and. <laughs> Whatever it was all symbolic and whatever, but it, but it was very memorable. And I can to this day, I can if someone says, "When did you become a man?" I can tell them. Yeah. Well, I I you know maybe when I was eighteen, but but specifically that night, whenever we finished that series and went out and did that thing um, out in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere, whatever, uh, with my campus crusade director. So you're absolutely right, and I can point I can point back to that. Um, yeah, and what's wonderful about the ceremonies is that you're right we do there are there's a kind of a standard for that but we allow enough uh, within those that fathers can kind of create their own powerful moment if that if that mm-hmm. i can say that um so it, it's not so programmatic and so it has to be this way or else that a dad can't kind of interject his his version of that if that makes sense but there are some very specific things we are trying to communicate um at, at certain at, at different ages so that's so good because i know like for me with my boys um and any of you listening that have been to base camp kind of the culmination of our weekend we have a bonfire and that's actually a moment with my boys where they and, and i've done this with two of them i'm waiting for my third one um who hasn't quite old enough to be there yet 
but, and at that moment, and it chokes me up every time, but I tell him, I say, you will forever be my son, but from this day forward, I will see you as a man. Mm-hmm. And, and that there's that definitive moment of just calling them up and, you know, they have the validation from their father that, okay, I'm a man, mm. you know, and there, and after there's been this deep spiritual event and connection and weekend. And so, man, I, I can't, <clears throat> can't recommend it enough on what you're doing and how powerful it is for these boys to truly step into that masculinity and that masculine adventure. Yeah. And, and there's so much power in a father passing on a blessing <clears throat> one of the other kind of to speak to your uh yeah your question earlier about just things i've seen several years ago we were in paladuro canyon which is near amarillo second largest canyon in the uh, united states believe it or not and it's yeah. only four hours from here um and uh, we I, I had the fall fa- i want always want fathers can have a, a time to connect specifically um and there is a tri- indigenous people in New Zealand called the Maori tribe. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but yeah, um, you know, kind of. I mean, they're back. They're out there. You know, they're they got. I don't know what they live in, but it's not. They're not living in mansions. I can tell you that much. Um, but they have a a greeting that's unlike anybody's greeting. And so when they when they meet you, uh, as they accept you, they will they will reach out, grab you behind your head. And gently bring you in until you're forehead to forehead with them and then nose to nose with them. And uh, the idea is that you exchange each other's breath. Uh, and in doing so, you're exchanging kind of this life bond and they're welcoming you welcoming you into their tribe. Not you're, you're going to be a tribe, but just that you're, you're welcome into their people. Um, and it's a, so wonderful because it that remi- sounds like Trey's thing. I'm just going to say that sounds like Trey would be all over. That's that. right. That's my new greeting from now. Oh on. yeah, yep. I want to see that. Um, and uh, what's beautiful about that, about that is it, it, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, what did God do? He it did. What did He do? He He took the the sand and the dirt and all that, and He formed man. And then it says He got down close. And you imagine God getting down forehead to forehead, nose to nose with this. To, to be man and and breathing life into him. And uh, mm. I just think that's a beautiful picture. So we had that moment uh, at Paladuro where all the dads, I, you know, we, we kind of teed it up and this is how we're going to do it, to speak blessing in, uh, into their son's life. And they all kind of together brought their son in or sons in one by one and just spoke blessing into the life. There's some, something so powerful. And I guarantee you, uh, most dads are not, I mean, they're probably not doing that on a regular basis and men in general are just not probably wired that way to be gushy, if that makes sense, you know? So it takes effort. Um, but it, but again, it's a powerful moment to have with your kid. Well, speak for yourself. I do that every day with people mm-hmm. pull them in close. And yeah. I'm just <laughs> Praise God. That's not true. That's right. I would well, not have been here this long. Man, Eric, how, how can guys sign up? Like, where do they find you? What's your website? So if a guy's hearing this and he's like, man, I, everything about this is resonating. Want to bring my son to something like this. How does he find you? Yeah. So the easiest way is uh, to go to our website, uh, www.sand2stone.us. I believe .com gets you there too, but that US definitely gets you there. And you'll see Adventures 2023 as one of your drop-down menus. You can see what we're currently offering. Those will continue to expand. 
Um, we, we start them as early as in February and then end them as late as about no, November. It's, you get some pretty chilly months in, yeah. in there. And then yeah. um, in during the summer, instead of staying in Oklahoma area, we'll head out to like New Mexico or Colorado where it's a little cooler at night and, yeah. and that sort of thing. But, but yes, that's probably the easiest way. I mean, we have an Instagram page. Uh, two, if you just kind of want to stay up with, you know, I, I put some devotions on there for fathers and sons to kind of just roll through. Um, I, you know, it's a funny thing. I, I, I thought about kind of, and I could release them like on you version or send them out via an email, but I, I know people are looking at social media. So if I can just kind of slide by slide it, uh, maybe get a dad to kind of sit down with their son and, and, and roll through those. Um, that seems like that make, makes more sense at times. So great. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for being here today. Um, guys, if anything about this resonated with you, sand to the number two stone.us. Go check it out and uh, hopefully have that moment with you and your son. So Eric, thanks for being here. God bless you, man. Thanks for what you're doing. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.